Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back into the sidelines podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is a 63rd episode of the Sidelines Podcast, and I'm going to bring on a pair of guests. We're going to start with Nevada head coach Eric Musselman, and then move over to UMBC head coach Ryan Odom. Enjoyed conversations with both of those guys. Obviously, Musselman has led uh, Nevada to the Sweet 16. UMBC and Ryan Odom were the first school to knock off a number one seed as a number 16 seed. Before we get to those interviews, I want to make sure that you are subscribed to the Sidelines Podcast. The best way to do that and the best way to support this podcast is to do a couple things. Shoot over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button for me. You can also do that on your favorite podcast app. Also, it would be very helpful if you left a rating or a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. Would love to know what you think about the podcast. Without further ado, let's jump to that interview with Eric Musselman. It's time to go with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in the head coach of Nevada, the team that has made it to the Sweet 16. Eric Musselman joins the sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast, gearing up for a matchup in the Sweet 16 against Loyola. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great, Evan. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. Can you can you put into words what this past week has been like for you and your basketball program? <laughs> um, it's you know it's been unbelievable. I mean, obviously, uh, you know to play Texas and to be down by 13, um, you know in the second half, really until the last you know 10 minutes, we didn't really start playing uh, you know good basketball and to win that game in overtime and and then to follow it up and. You know, the first 20 minutes of that Cincinnati game, Cincinnati, uh, you know, just handed it to us. And and uh, even, even you know, we tried to make some adjustments, which we did at halftime and changed up our pick-and-roll coverage. And some of our matchups, it didn't help because they came out uh, the first 10 minutes of the second half and, and uh, played at the same level that they were playing, and we still weren't playing well. And then eventually uh, down 22 with about 10.58 to go and started knocking shots down and it was a miraculous win. We, you know, we didn't lead in that game. So there was 9.1 seconds left. So we've only, we've only so far in two games for four minutes. So it's been amazing what's gone on. And then obviously just the magnitude. Coach, I was at both of those games. I saw the win over Texas, the comeback win over Cincinnati. I'm, I'm curious what you said to the guys at the 10 minute marks. That seems to be when you made your move in both of those games. Yeah, the bottom line for us, Evan, was just, you know, how could we speed the game for guys to understand that the urgency. Um, and then, you know, we kept talking about the next time out. You know, it's got to go from 22 to 15 and from 15 down to single digits. So just a lot of mini goals. And, you know, we made a calculated risk. We we basically didn't guard their point guards. Um you know, we left their point guards and trapped Evans whenever he catched it. And then whenever Evans passed to whoever he threw it to, we went and trapped that guy. And, and so we just wanted Broom or Jennifer, which, either, you know, and they, they went back and forth with, with both those kids playing. And we just, you know, kind of wanted to make them take shots and, and try to shut everybody else down. And, and uh, 
you know, sometimes decisions like that work out and sometimes they don't for, right. you know, for us, they worked on that given night. I love watching your team play. You guys spread guys out. You've got a team full of shot makers. I'm curious how you constructed this group because it's full of experienced transfers. The Martin twins can really score. Kendall Stevens is a transfer that can really score. Uh, but you don't really have a true post player. You've got an undersized guy. But it, it seems like you've kind of embraced that new age NBA style of play, and you've had some success with it. No, you know, when we got the job, you know, we, we – we were like 330th in the country in score in uh, three point shooting. And so we, we had to get better in that area. And, and probably, you know, any coach would have wanted to, to drastically improve from three. And, you know, I, I don't want to say we went overboard, but, but because it was such a deficiency, you know, we didn't recruit one or two guys that could shoot it. We, you know, we wanted all, all guys that we recruited to be able to shoot and, so now we do. We space the floor. We're all interchangeable at six foot six, six seven. Our point guards as tall as our center, and um, it's it's a little bit similar to what I had in the NBA uh, development league with the Reno Bighorns and 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 the LA Defenders. And you know, with 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 the Bighorns, we had a, a big point guard in Jeremy Lin, and and Danny Green was our was our off guard and. And then when I went to the to the Lakers Z League team, we ended up having Gerald Green, uh, who obviously has great length for a, for an off guard in the, in the D League, and we had a kid named Orion Green who's six six point guard, and so we kind of wanted to model uh, our perimeter players off off the, off what my two prior uh, D League teams have, and and the size just allows us to switch everything and. And, we, and we're normally a pretty decent defensive rebounding team because our guards can rebound the ball as good as anybody. I wanted to ask you, and you brought up the, the D-League team, you, you have a, a vast variety of experiences as a coach, from the NBA to the D-League uh, to international. How, how much has all that helped you grow as a coach, and especially in situations now where you're the head coach at Nevada and you're, you're leading the team to the Sweet 16? Well, I think Evan, it's a, the you know my background of being all over the place and being in the NBA and then the development league. You know, the NBA you know helps prepare now for you know a lot of media attention, um, dealing with you know with media because obviously as a head coach in the NBA, you have to do that. And and I think the NBA really prepares you know any coach for late game situations because. You're coaching 82 games, and in college, you're coaching 30. And, and so, just over time, being a part of playoff series and things like that, um, I think it really helps you from an X and O standpoint as well. And, and and then the development league, obviously, when you're coaching there, it's all about how do you make your players better uh, through player development. You have to you have to do that. Um, you know, you've got to do that when you're, when you're in college and, and you get freshmen, guys like Lindsey Drew and Cameron Oliver. It was all about player development. And then the, probably the place that I learned more than anything, Evan, was, was having coached the Dominican Republic national team and, and the Venezuelan national team because most of my guys spoke Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish. So it really forced me to slow down the delivery of how I instructed the players during timeouts uh, and then it made me demonstrate more, and I think it, it, it really helped my growth as a coach. 
Coach, if you could pick one or maybe two people that have the, had the most impact on uh, your coaching career, who, who would it be? Number one, my dad, obviously, because, you know, as a youngster, uh, when school was out, when I was in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, I, I begged my mom to take me to my dad's practices, and, and I'd sit through his practices and shoot when, when his practices were over, and then I'd go up in his office and watch film when, when he was doing film. And, um, and then, you know, for sure, the, the next most influential person was Chuck Daly. And, um, you know, Coach Daly uh, was kind of like a second father and, and really, really looked out for my career. And, you know, he picked up the phone and got me the Golden State Warriors head job, and that was the type of power that he had in the NBA. But a great mentor and a great friend. And, and those are the two guys that, that, you know, that definitely stand out as my – biggest influences but then there's just been so many other coaches I've worked for that are phenomenal like Doc Rivers and, and Mike Fratello that have had a huge impact on me as well what uh what does your team need to do to to get past Loyola and and uh and make it to the Elite Eight you know the more that we watch Loyola the, you know I mean they're scary I mean they shoot the basketball uh they have great spacing they're great passers uh they can play fast or they can play slow and you're talking about a program that, you know, they're top 50 in offense and top 50 in almost all defensive categories. And they got a really smart, intelligent point guard, um, you know, and then they're, they're big as a, as a freshman who was freshman of the year. And the point guard was player of the year. And then they got a bunch of other pieces that are really, really good. And then they bring their biggest matchup problem off the bench who plays the power forward spot for them. And, and Tennessee really struggled. Uh, to guard his post-ups off the bench. And so there's a lot of things we have to do. I think, you know, we're going to have to play at our pace and we're going to have to knock down threes uh, in order to in order to win the game. And, and I mean, the, the cool thing about the tournament is either Loyola or Nevada, one of us is going is to move on. And that's that's what makes this tournament so great is, is one of these two programs is going to be in the Elite Eight. What's been your favorite moment of the tournament so far? Probably the, uh, my favorite moment personally is just – uh, after our win against Cincinnati, celebrating with my two sons, my wife and and my daughter, that's been the, the neatest thing. Because as a, you know, as a as a husband, as a parent, uh, your kids and and your wife and your family usually are the are the people that sacrifice. That you know, I, I've missed some of my sons' games, and I don't get to take them to school, and, and don't get to pick them up after school, and and you can never get that time back. But to see the smiles on their faces and the joy. Um, you know, because a coach is, is not a normal dad and, and, um, you know, you, you, you miss some things because of your travel and stuff, but, but then there's other kids that see their dad every single day, but they never get to experience something as emotional and as intense as, you know, a tournament and then, and then a tournament win. Coach, one thing I like to ask everybody that comes on my podcast, if you weren't coaching college basketball or professional basketball, what would you be doing with your life? Uh, that's a great – I mean, I don't even know, Evan. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> basketball. <laughs> I wish I could say I would – I guess I'd be working on a beach somewhere, um, you know, maybe passing out beach chairs and towels at, <laughs> at the La Jolla, La Jolla Country Club, La Jolla Beach and Tennis Club in San Diego. That'd be a good job for me if there was if basketball was taken away. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, I appreciate your time. You've uh, three seasons at, no at Nevada, 81 and 28. You've done a ter terrific job, and, and good luck in the Sweet 16 and moving on in the NCAA tournament. Thanks so much for having me on, Evan. Really appreciate it. Now let's welcome in UMBC head coach Ryan Odom. 
to the sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. Ryan, it's been a, a heck of a week for you. How how you doing? Doing great. Yeah, doing great. You know, just uh, you know, so proud of the guys and our staff and you know the university as a whole. It's it was been a special time. What's this past week been like for you? Knocking off uh, Virginia, being the first 16 seed to beat a one seed. What's uh, what's this whole week been like for you guys? Yeah, I mean, the one word I would use is would be unbelievable. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, going through that moment uh, with the players and seeing those guys smile and all the attention that they received, um, you know, was just really, really special. And uh makes me think back to when we first took the job here and how hard these kids have worked, you know, over a two-year span and, uh, and, and to see their hard work, you know, uh, pay off for them in that moment. Uh, was just was just really really special. At, at what point in that game against Virginia did you start to realize like you guys were going to pull it off? Like when, when did it kind of feel like it was real? Well, I think you know we we hung in there in the first half, and you know we weren't playing great offensively. Certainly, they weren't either. You know, it, it's worth mentioning. You know, for sure. I mean, they were playing without the sixth man of the year, Hunter. You know, which was probably a big factor for them. Uh, you know, there's definitely no ignoring that, that aspect. And so that, that certainly helped us. Um, you know, it's 21 to 21. Our guys were feeling good at half. You know, we felt like we hadn't played well offensively and defensively. We had put our best foot forward. And, you know, what we were doing was, was at least impacting the game uh, for on, that, on that end. And so we felt like if we could continue to play well in defense and, and uh just for making some shots and getting some better shots, you know, each possession, you know, that we might be able to to make a little bit of a run. And uh, I think the way we started the second half, that little flurry, that that gave us a lot of life for sure. How many text messages did you get after the game? I'll, I'll set the over and under at about 200. Yeah, I mean, it's probably <laughs> more than that, to be honest. Um, and I still haven't gone back through them. I mean, I – I hate it, you know. I've got I've gotten the family and friends and and some folks, but yeah, I mean it's been it's been really really uh, you know humbling for sure. You know the amount of people that you know were watching and supporting and and uh, just special. Jarius Lyles obviously played a big role in that game, but also your whole season. Can you put into words or describe what he's meant to your all's program uh, since since you stepped foot on campus? Yeah, I mean, I told him after the game, you know, the in front of the whole team, you know, the, the growth, you know, that he's, you know, shown over the past year, you know, from the day we stepped on campus to, you know, the mature decision to to stay when he had options, you know, after last season to, you know, take advantage of the grad transfer rule. You know, he decided to stick it out with his teammates. He felt like he had some unfinished business. Uh, you know, he's got a great relationship with our president and, uh, you know, that, that, that relationship will last a lifetime for him. I think he felt like, you know, if, if, if he left, you know, all of a sudden that, that was out the window and, uh, you know, he understands it's not about, you know, seven months and, and, you know, playing on TV and all that. He ended up, you know, getting that same opportunity, you know, at the very end and, and, and he was rewarded for such a mature you know, mature decision there to stay with us, and uh, just so happy for that. You know, you've been around for for quite a bit um, as an assistant coach, and and now a head coach, and and you've uh, been involved in all certain aspects of recruiting. And you may not know just yet, but what type of boost 
does this type of win and, and this type of recognition, because everyone in the basketball community knows who UMBC is. They, they beat a, a number one seed for the first time. What type of boost does this give you all from a recruiting standpoint? Well, we're hoping it's a big one, you know, without a doubt. Uh, we're excited about the, the young men that we have coming in this year. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to, to future classes. And, uh, you know, certainly, you know, when you win a big game like that on a national stage, I mean, you've seen what has, has happened at other, you know, universities that have kind of capitalized on that, uh, be it a Florida Gulf Coast, be it a, you know, certainly a VCU, which they're mon- with their monumental run way back and what they've been able to do since and you know gonzaga and butler they're all you know the gold standard of 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 that george mason um you know there's there's a ton of teams that have been able to to kind of capitalize and and upgrade their program and we want to try to do that you know now that now that you know kids you know you walk in a gym they're they're not going to say what what school was that and uh so now we're 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 playing field a little bit and uh you know, hopefully some kids will take notice. There was a report that your athletic director was going to talk to you about putting a new deal extension in front of you. Has that happened yet? Uh, it's starting to materialize. You know, certainly, you know, we're, we're meeting and, and getting things organized. And, and uh, you know, I'm excited about, you know, the, the future here at UMBC. I mean, it's, it's uh, a special time for sure. And I love my players. I love the university. We've got great leadership with Tim Hall and, and our president, uh, Freeman Rabowski. So very comfortable at this time and looking forward to kind of getting things situated. Ryan, the, the, the year prior to your first season at UMBC, the team won just seven games. You then won 21 games last year, 25 games this year. What initial change in the program did you have to make to, to get it turned around and headed in the right direction? Yeah, I think first off, you know, some credit needs to go to Coach Thomas and his staff. You know, um, you know they recruited some really, really good kids, and uh, Jarris being one of them, and uh, you know Will Darley, who was a senior for us last year, had a, a miraculous senior year. Uh, has been playing in Germany this past year. He was a big reason why we were successful in our first season. Um, you know, and, and then we added some really good pieces to match, you know, with, you know, what, what they already had here. And, uh, you know, I think that, that was a big factor, you know, adding KJ, the point guard, you know, to what we already had, uh, was huge for our program. Cause he's, you know, he brings that unselfishness, uh, you know, the ability to pass the ball and, and get your teammate the shot before your own. And, uh, you know, I think that, that was huge. And then, you know, we, we, you know, just getting them to believe in themselves, I think, um, you know, was, was big. I think the style of play that we implemented, they were excited about that because um, we play pretty fast. You know, our first year we led the conference in, in points per game. And uh, we, we lacked a little bit on defense in our first year. And, uh, you know, so in, in between the two seasons, you know, we talked a lot about okay. Well, we're, we've been really good on offense. Well, now we got to get the defense straight, and uh, you know, we were able to do that. I mean, if you watch the NCAA tournament games, you know, we're playing against two two really really good teams, and our guys, you know, hung in there. The reason we were in the, in both games was because of our defense, and uh, you know, I think that's that's kind of the the recipe for for the future of UNC, UMBC basketball, and. Uh, you know, I think one other thing I'll add is, you know, when I first got here, the, the locker room was pretty barren. 
And uh, so my AD allowed us to, you know, put all new graphics, you know, in the locker room. And I wanted our guys to feel like it had, you know, they could do it. And uh, it had been done here before. So all the graphics in our locker room, it was all about the 2008 NCAA tournament team. So every day they walked in that locker room, they they had something to push for and, right. and they could see it. And, uh, you know, that was an important, you know, you got to change the thinking initially. And I think that was the, the biggest thing. And then you got to work at it. And, and they certainly have done that. You're this, Ryan, you're the son of a, a coach. Well, how much impact has your dad, Dave Odom, had on your not only your career in general, but also your philosophies as a coach? Yeah, I mean, it's a tremendous amount. I mean, you know, he introduced me to the game. You know, ironically, my time at, you know, my father's time at the University of Virginia was kind of where I fell in love with basketball, uh, you know, as a player at that time. And uh, continued on, but um, played in college, and then you know, obviously Seth Greenberg helped me get into coaching. You know, shortly after that, and you know, I've worked for some great coaches. You know, that's the one thing that you know we've never had the opportunity to do is work together, and uh, or, or me work for him. You know, he wanted me to kind of make my own way, and uh, you know, I've been very fortunate in that I worked for some great guys. You know, Seth Greenberg, Jeff Jones. Uh, you know, Alan Major, uh, Eddie Biedenbach, Larry Davis, you know, who's at Cincinnati now, worked for some great guys. And, uh, you know, you learn a different way, you know, of doing things. I'm always going to have my father and, and kind of his philosophy and, and even going back to when he was assistant for Coach Holland at Virginia, you know, I was around for practices all the time. So I, I saw kind of how, how high-level people operate at that level and, uh yeah, I've been very, very fortunate, to say the least. Outside of your dad, who, who would you say has had the biggest influence on your career? It sounds like you've had quite a few people that have, have made uh, made an impact on you. Yeah, I mean, certainly you got to start out with Seth. I mean, I would not be in the business if it wasn't for him. Uh, you know, Jeff Jones is a, a tremendous mentor for me. I worked for him at American University for three years, and that was kind of my first, you know, recruiting position. Eddie Biedenbach, you know, watching him. You know, uh, working for him that that year at UNC Asheville. I mean, he's just a tremendous coach, not afraid of anyone. Uh, you know, um, you know Ed Ed M- M- McLaughlin at you know VCU is a close friend. You know, we work together at American. Um, so he's somebody that I that I lean on, and uh, I certainly would not be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for Neil McGahey, who who hired me at, at Lenore Ryan and uh, he's since passed away this, this year. Um, but uh, the, him hiring me and those kids that, that I was fortunate enough to coach, I certainly would not be at UMBC and having the success that we've had right now. Ryan, my go-to question to close out the, uh, the podcast is if you weren't uh, coaching or, or in the basketball profession, what would you be doing with your life? Yeah, actually, I, I I was not sure that I was going to coach. You know, in fact, you know, my father and my mother would have told you there's no chance he's going to coach. I would be in the banking business. <laughs> I always love Wall Street. There we go. That's a. I've gotten some unique answers on here. Jay Wright said he would be a barista on the beach. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Mike Mike Boyton said that he would run a morgue. That's probably been the the. The uh, the most intriguing answer we've given, but uh, Ryan Odom, the banker, I like it. Ryan, I, I, congratulations on uh, on the win over uh, Virginia, making the NCAA tournament. Heck of a year for you, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. 
Awesome. Thanks, Evan. Appreciate you having me on. This is Jay Wright. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. And you're listening to The Sidelines with Evan Daniels. I'd like to once again thank Nevada head coach Eric Musselman and UMBC head coach Ryan Odom for jumping on the sidelines podcast. Enjoyed hearing about their huge weeks in the NCAA tournament. Before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the sidelines podcast. The best way to support this podcast is to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app, but also leave a rating and a review. That is extremely helpful. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. Would not only like to know what you think about the podcast, but also if there's any future guests that you would love to hear from. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.